Chapter Thirty Nine of Uncle Silas by Joseph Sheridan Le Fanu. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Thirty Nine. Cousin Monica and Uncle Silas meet. Cousin Monica, with her hands upon Milly's shoulders, looked amusedly and kindly in her face, and said she we must be very good friends you funny creature you and i i'm allowed to be the most saucy old woman in derbyshire quite incorrigibly privileged and nobody is ever affronted with me so i say the most shocking things constantly i'm a bit that way myself and i think said poor milly making an effort and growing very red she quite lost her head at that point and was incompetent to finish the sentiment she had prefaced you think now take my advice and never wait to think my dear talk first and think afterwards that is my way though indeed i can't say i ever think at all it is a very cowardly habit our cold-blooded cousin maud there thinks sometimes but it is always such a failure that i forgive her i wonder when your little pre-adamite butler will return he speaks the language of the picts and ancient britons i dare say and your father requires a little time to translate him and milly dear i am very hungry so i won't wait for your butler who would give me i suppose one of the cakes baked by king alfred and some danish beer in a skull but i'll ask you for a little of that nice bread and butter with which accordingly lady knollys was quickly supplied but it did not at all impede her utterance do you think girls you could be ready to come away with me if silas gives leave in an hour or two i should so like to take you both home with me to elverston how delightful you darling cried i embracing and kissing her for my part i shall be ready in five minutes what do you say milly poor milly's wardrobe i am afraid was more portable than handsome and she looked horribly affrighted and whispered in my ear my best petticoat is away at the laundress say in a week maud what does she say asked lady knollys she fears she can't be ready i answered dejectedly there's a deal of my slops in the wash blurted out poor milly staring straight at lady knollys in the name of wonder what does my cousin mean asked lady knollys her things have not come home yet from the laundress i replied and at this moment our wondrous old butler entered to announce to lady knollys that his master was ready to receive her whenever she was disposed to favour him and also to make polite apologies for his being compelled by his state of health to give her the trouble of ascending to his room so cousin monica was at the door in a moment over her shoulder calling to us come girls please not yet my lady you alone and he requests the young ladies will be in the way as he will send for them presently i began to admire poor giblets as the wreck of a tolerably respectable servant very good perhaps it is better we should kiss and be friends in private first said lady knollys laughing and away she went under the guidance of the mummy i had an account of this tete-a-tete afterwards from lady knollys when i saw him my dear she said i could hardly believe my eyes such white hair such a white face such mad eyes and a death-like smile when i saw him last his hair was dark he dressed himself like a modern englishman and he really preserved a likeness to the full-length portrait at knoll that you fell in love with you know but angels and ministers of grace such a spectre i ask myself is it necromancy or is it delirium tremens that has reduced him to this and said he with that odious smile that made me fancy myself half insane 
"'You see a change, Monica. "'Not a sweet, gentle, insufferable voice he has. "'Somebody once told me about the tone of a glass flute "'that made some people hysterical to listen to, "'and I was thinking of it all the time. "'There was always a peculiar quality in his voice.' "'I do see a change, Silas,' I said at last, "'and no doubt so do you in me, a great change. "'There has been time enough to work a greater than I observe in you "'since you last honoured me with a visit,' said he. "'I think he was at his old sarcasms, "'and meant that I was the same impertinent minx he remembered long ago, "'uncorrected by time. "'And so I am, and he must not expect compliments from old Monica Knollys.' "'It is a long time, Silas, but that, you know, is not my fault,' said I. "'Not your fault, my dear, your instinct. "'We are all imitative creatures. "'The great people ostracised me, and the small ones followed. "'We are very like turkeys. "'We have so much good sense and so much generosity. "'Fortune, in a freak, wounded my head, "'and the whole brood were upon me, pecking and gobbling and pecking. "'And you among them, dear Monica.' "'It wasn't your fault, only your instinct, so I quite forgive you. "'But no wonder the peckers wear better than the pecked. "'You are robust, and I what I am. "'Now, Silas, I have not come here to quarrel. "'If we quarrel now, mind, we can never make it up. "'We are too old, so let us forget all we can and try to forgive something. "'And if we can do neither, at all events, let there be truce between us while I am here.' "'My personal wrongs I can quite forgive, and I do. "'Heaven knows from my heart. "'But there are things which ought not to be forgiven. "'My children have been ruined by it. "'I may, by the mercy of Providence, "'be yet set right in the world, "'and so soon as that time comes I will remember, "'and I will act. "'But my children, you will see that wretched girl, "'my daughter, education, society, "'all would come too late. "'My children have been ruined by it.' "'I have not done it, but I know what you mean,' I said. "'You menace litigation whenever you have the means, "'but you forget that Austin placed you under promise "'when he gave you the use of this house and place, "'never to disturb my title to Elverston. "'So there is my answer, if you mean that.' "'I mean what I mean,' he replied, with his old smile. "'You mean, then,' said I, "'that for the pleasure of vexing me with litigation "'you are willing to forfeit your tenure of this house and place.' "'Suppose I did mean precisely that. "'Why should I forfeit anything? "'My beloved brother, by his will, "'has given me a right to the use of Bartram Howe for my life, "'and attached no absurd condition "'of the kind you fancy to his gift.' "'Silas was in one of his vicious old moods "'and liked to menace me. "'His vindictiveness got the better of his craft, "'but he knows as well as I do "'that he never could succeed in disturbing the title "'of my poor, dear Harry Knollys.' and I was not at all alarmed by his threats, and I told him so, as coolly as I speak to you now. "'Well, Monica,' he said, "'I have weighed you in the balance, and you are not found wanting. For a moment the old man possessed me, the thought of my children, of past unkindness and present affliction and disgrace, exasperated me, and I was mad. It was but for a moment, the galvanic spasm of a corpse.' "'Never was breast more dead than mine "'to the passion and ambitions of the world. "'They are not for white locks like these, "'nor for a man who, for a week in every month, "'lies in the gate of death. "'Will you shake hands? "'Here. "'I do strike a truce, "'and I do forget and forgive everything.' "'I don't know what he meant by this scene. "'I have no idea whether he was acting or lost his head, "'or, in fact, 
why or how it occurred but i am glad darling that unlike myself i was calm and that a quarrel has not been forced upon me when our turn came and we were summoned into the presence uncle silas was quite as usual but cousin monica's heightened colour and the flash of her eyes showed plainly that something exciting and angry had occurred uncle silas commented in his own vein upon the effect of bartram air and liberty all he had to offer and called on me to say how i liked them and then he called milly to him kissed her tenderly smiled sadly upon her and turning to cousin monica said this is my daughter milly oh she has been presented to you downstairs has she you have no doubt been interested by her as i told her cousin maud though i am not yet quite a sir tunbelly clumsy she is a very finished miss hoyden are you not my poor milly you owe your distinction my dear to that line of circumvallation which has ever since your birth intercepted all civilization on its way to bartram you are much obliged milly to everybody who whether naturally or unnaturally turned a sod in that invisible but impenetrable work for your accomplishments rather singular than fashionable you are indebted in part to your cousin lady knollys is not she monica thank her milly this is your truce silas said lady knollys with a quiet sharpness i think silas ruffin you want to provoke me to speak in a way before these young creatures which we should all regret so my badinage excites your temper money think how you would feel then if i had found you by the highway side mangled by robbers and set my foot upon your throat and spat in your face but stop this why have i said this simply to emphasize my forgiveness see girls lady knollys and i cousins long estranged forget and forgive the past and join hands over its buried injuries well be it so only let us have done with ironies and covert taunts and with these words their hands were joined and uncle silas after he had released hers patted and fondled it with his laughing icily and very low all the time i wish so much dear monica he said when this piece of silent by-play was over that i could ask you to stay to-night but absolutely i have not a bed to offer and even if i had i fear my suit would hardly prevail then came lady knollys's invitation for milly and me he was very much obliged he smiled over it a great deal meditating i thought he was puzzled and amid his smiles his wild eyes scanned cousin monica's frank face once or twice suspiciously there was a difficulty an undefined difficulty about letting us go that day but on a future one soon very soon he would be most happy well there was an end of that little project for to-day at least and cousin monica was too well bred to urge it beyond a certain point milly my dear will you put on your hat and show me the grounds about the house may she silas i should like to renew my acquaintance you'll see them sadly neglected monny a poor man's pleasure grounds must rely on nature and trust to her for effects where there is fine timber however the abundance of slope and rock and hollow we sometimes gain in picturesqueness what we lose by neglect in luxury then as cousin monica said she would cross the grounds by a path and meet her carriage at a point to which we would accompany her and so make her way home she took leave of uncle silas a ceremony whereat without i thought much zeal on either side a kiss took place 
"'Now, girls,' said Cousin Knollys, when we were fairly in motion over the grass, "'what do you say? Will he let you come, yes or no?' "'I can't say, but I think, dear,' this to Milly, "'he ought to let you see a little more of the world than appears among the glens and bushes of Bartram. "'Very pretty they are, like yourself, but very wild and very little seen. "'Where is your brother, Milly? Is he not older than you?' i don't know where and he is older by six years and a bit by and by when milly was gesticulating to frighten some herons by the river's brink into the air cousin monica said confidentially to me he has run away i'm told i wish i could believe it and enlisted in a regiment going to india perhaps the best thing for him did you see him here before his judicious self-banishment no well i suppose you have had no loss Dr. Bryerly says from all he can learn he is a very bad young man. And now, tell me, dear, is Silas kind to you? Yes, always gentle, just as you saw him to-day. But we don't see a great deal of him, very little, in fact. And how do you like your life and the people? she asked. My life very well, and the people pretty well. There's an old woman I don't like, old Wyatt. She is cross and mysterious and tells untruths but i don't think she is dishonest so mary quince says and that you know is a point and there is a family father and daughter called hawks who live in the windmill wood who are perfect savages though my uncle says they don't mean it but they are very disagreeable rude people and except them we see very little of the servants or other people but there has been a mysterious visit someone came late at night and remained for some days though milly and i never saw them and Mary Quince saw a chaise at the side door at two o'clock at night. Cousin Monica was so highly interested at this that she arrested her walk and stood facing me, with her hand on my arm, questioning and listening, and lost, as it seemed, in dismal conjecture. "'It is not pleasant, you know,' I said. "'No, it is not pleasant,' said Lady Knollys, very gloomily. And just then Milly joined us, shouting to us to look at the herons flying. So cousin Monica did, and smiled and nodded in thanks to Milly, and was again silent and thoughtful as we walked on. "'You are to come to me, mind both of you girls,' she said abruptly. "'You shall. I'll manage it.' When silence returned, and Milly ran away once more to try whether the old grey trout was visible in the still water under the bridge, cousin Monica said to me in a low tone, looking hard at me, "'You've not seen anything to frighten you, Maud.' "'Don't look so alarmed, dear,' she added with a little laugh, which was not very merry, however. "'I don't mean frighten in any awful sense. In fact, I did not mean frighten at all. I meant—I can't exactly express it—anything to vex or make you uncomfortable, have you?' "'No, I can't say I have, except that room in which Mr. Chark was found dead.' "'Oh, you saw that, did you? I should like to see it so much. Your bedroom is not near it.' "'Oh, no, on the floor beneath, and looking to the front, "'and Dr. Bryerly talked a little to me, "'and there seemed to be something on his mind "'more than he chose to tell me, "'so that for some time after I saw him "'I really was, as you say, frightened. "'But except that, I really have no cause. "'And what was in your mind when you asked me?' "'Well, you know, Maud, you are afraid of ghosts, "'banditti, and everything, "'and I wish to know whether you were uncomfortable.' and what your particular bogey was just now that i assure you was all and i know she continued suddenly changing her light tone and manner for one of pointed entreaty 
what dr bryerly said and i implore of you maud to think of it seriously and when you come to me you shall do so with the intention of remaining at elverston now cousin monica is this fair you and dr bryerly both talk in the same awful way to me and i assure you you don't know how nervous i am sometimes and yet you won't either of you say what you mean now monica dear cousin won't you tell me you see dear it is so lonely it's a strange place and he's so odd i don't like the place and i don't like him i've tried but i can't and i think i never shall he may be a very what was it that good little silly curate at knoll used to call him a very advanced christian that is it and i hope he is but if he is only what he used to be his utter seclusion from society removes the only check except personal fear and he never had much of that upon a very bad man and you must know my dear maud what a prize you are and what an immense trust it is suddenly cousin monica stopped short and looked at me as if she had gone too far but you know silas may be very good now although he was wild and selfish in his young days indeed i don't know what to make of him but i am sure when you have thought it over you will agree with me and dr bryerly that you must not stay here it was vain trying to induce my cousin to be more explicit i hope to see you at elverston in a very few days i will shame silas into letting you come i don't like his reluctance but don't you think he must know that milly would require some little outfit before her visit well i can't say i hope that is all but be it what it may i'll make him let you come and immediately too after she had gone i experienced a repetition of those undefined doubts which had tortured me for some time after my conversation with dr bryerly i had truly said however i was well enough contented with my mode of life here for i had been trained at knoll to a solitude very nearly as profound End of chapter thirty nine